0: Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. Since September, we've focused on one word, gather, and how important it is as we gather again with family and with friends, especially with the holidays coming up. But we also talked about how baptism for us as Catholics is more than usually what's taught or understood that you now are a member of the church and you get sacraments and you get parish envelopes. Huh? But that we remember the highest form of teaching in our documents from the council of Second Vatican Council teaches that we are responsible for one another that our baptism calls us to care for our brothers and sisters. So we come to Mass as the highest form of gathering that disciples ought to be doing. But we also know the most faithful people in Scottsdale go to a church called St. Costco because they never miss. And yet, disciples sometimes come and go to eat at the table of the Lord and to be fed. And so as we conclude the theme of gather at this point and move on to another theme, theme next week, We know that food is an important part. And so the kingdom of God on Christ the King feast day is a reminder of our eternal banquet, that we can partake now, not when we die, but now we can participate in that. There's an old Chinese proverb that teaches the difference between heaven and hell. And it says that hell is a place where you go down and you enter into this largest room, And in it is a table as far as the eye can see, and the best foods that could ever be possible. The punishment of hell for all eternity is that you're given 10 foot chopsticks, and you can't get the food into your mouth. That is suffering. Heaven is a place where you go and enter it, and there's a table as far as the eye can see with the best foods, and you're given 10 foot chopsticks. The difference is the people in heaven feed one another with the chopsticks. We are called to feed our brothers and sisters, not just those who are Catholic or come to our parish, but that every human being. And so it may be food, it may be dignity and love, and that's the calling of gathering, of discipleship. But here, As we speak of the here and now, we come to a table of plenty, but we know right now in society there isn't plenty for everyone. There's a thing that we now use, a word that's called food insecurities, And what that means is there are people in the valley, in our neighborhoods, even in Scottsdale, who struggle with eating adequate food and being able to purchase food and have availability for good, healthy food. Without that, and eating the poorest quality of food, it does affect our healthcare system, and the ripples go on and on. And so I thought that I would ask Richard DiCarlo, who is a staff member of Social Justice and Outreach, to give a talk today. He um, has been a police officer for Phoenix uh, PD for 25 years. He's married for 35 years with two sons that are also in law enforcement and three grandchildren. And in that, his grandfathers, one, was working in the seafood industry and also the other one worked in baking bread making bread as well so he is an expert with food and he's very important to Scottsdale people too about food because he worked for Trader Joe's for about 3 years so we all know that but also here he has worked with outreach in developing relationship with St. Patrick's with many nonprofits many government agencies, and many different types of faith communities. And so today, speaking on food insecurities, the challenge and things that you and I can do right here and now that can make a big ripple difference in gathering, I ask Richard now to come forward and be able to share with us this evening about food insecurities. the depression.
1: Well there were hard times in those days. And my grandfather and my father decided, well, we gotta take care of these people and make sure that they have at least have bread to take home and if they, even if they didn't have any money. So what we did is we got these little notebooks, paper found little notebooks, and they were all lined and lady would come in and the family would come in and buy a
0: loaf of bread or two loaves of bread and ten cents, fifteen cents. And then they had the buddy, we used to write it in the in the book. These were people that were mostly
1: fishermen, and their husbands were out, and their sons were out fishing. And there was good times or bad times, so if it was good times, we'd collect the money. If it was bad ties, well, we, we did collect the money, we have to wait. And a lot of times we didn't collect anything.
0: But we made sure that at least they had bread on the table, you know.
1: That was my father two years before he passed away. The Port of Los Angeles asked him to give an oral testimony and invited other generational families from San Pedro, California on their contributions to the Port of LA over the number of years. It's a little bit longer video, but my father wanted to speak about hunger and what the bread business did to help people with that immediate need of hunger. I'll get back to my father in a few minutes. My partner and I had been asked to shift over to patrol one weekend because they were short-handed and radio calls needed to be answered. So we shifted over from our neighborhood enforcement team on the street, a little bit further to the east side, around 36th Street and McDowell. For those of you that aren't familiar with 36th Street and McDowell, it's mostly a lower income neighborhood people who were living paycheck to paycheck, many rely on social services on a day-to-day basis to get them through the day, the week, and the month. The call came in of a domestic disturbance. When we got to the apartment complex, it was pretty rundown, like most of the apartment complexes in that area. The lady answered the door and invited us in, and inside the apartment really wasn't much different than the exterior. It was also pretty run down, very limited furnishings. Dishes were piled up, probably hadn't been clean in weeks or maybe months. And there was a gentleman sitting on the couch. He was pretty quiet. We asked the woman what we could do for her on that particular day. And she wanted us to remove her husband from the house, from the apartment. We went through a series of questions and we we determined that there was really no criminal aspect going on, but we stayed for a little bit longer to visit with her, and I agreed to talk to her husband. Her husband was dealing with alcohol issues, and he was pretty intoxicated. I asked him if he wanted to go to Community Bridges with us to go receive some counseling, and he refused. For those that have dealt with addiction in the past or know people who have to deal with addiction, this is not that uncommon. I went back and spoke to the woman a little bit longer, and then we left. Call came in about an hour later, same call, same person, same location. As we were heading over there, my sergeant got a hold of us on the radio and said, put your thinking cap on because we're not going to keep going back and, back and forth all day long. Figure something out. So again, I went to speak to the gentleman sitting on the chair, he was about the same condition, and I said to him, what can I offer you today that you would go with us so that you can go receive some counseling down to community bridges? And he looked up at me and he said simply this, you can get me something to eat. I asked when the last time he ate, and he said about two or three days ago. When we looked further in the apartment, after they allowed us to look around for a little bit more to see if we can bring them further services, I found a can of open beans in the refrigerator, a package of cookies in the cupboard with some potato chips. A lot of people that are on SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, if they even know what that is, that money runs out at the end of the month. We put them in the car, we drove to a restaurant location, I gave my partner my credit card. I said, go buy him whatever he wants to eat, and I'll sit with him in the car. The humorous side to this was that my partner came out with this huge bag of food. And I asked him, how much food did you buy this guy? He said, well, I had your credit card, so I figured I'd buy all three of us lunch, and we can dine together. (laughs) It was a pretty expensive radio call. Hunger as you and I know it is a temporary craving or or an immediate need that needs to be satisfied. Most of us know how to deal with that. I can go to the refrigerator, open it up, and find some nutritious food. I have the option of eating that or going to my cupboard and finding something there. Many people live in what's called a food desert in the city. Right now, there are 43 identified food deserts in the city of greater Phoenix area, Maricopa County. A food desert is a neighborhood where people have lack of access to nutritious food at particular stores. There are no big grocery store chains there. They rely on fast foods, convenience stores, or the small neighborhood markets that nine times out of ten do not have any nutritious food there. They have the high fructose snacks. They have the shelf items that are cookies and chips. If you see the map right here, on the east side or the right side is the Scottsdale, Mesa, Salt River area. It's a little bit spotty, but as you shift more to the left, that's the area where I worked most of my career. It's mostly central to western part of Phoenix. A little bit in the southern zone as well. But it is an astronomical amount of food deserts in this area. When you live in a food desert, many folks don't have transportation and they have to rely on the public transportation system to get them back and forth to grocery stores. The problem with 112-degree heat is you're not going to buy perishable items. You're not going to buy meats and chickens. Vegetables, milk products, cheeses, yogurts. Something that is nutritional for your body. What comes from living in a food desert is now there is food insecurity. Again, it's not, not having access to nutritional food. When you don't have access to nutritional food, then other things start to happen. Diabetes. Diabetes cardiovascular problems, obesity, high cholesterol. Medical bills start to mount because of that. People who are living paycheck to paycheck, one unforeseen bill can send them into an economic spiral. And it's just not in this region. We see it here in Scottsdale with our emergency assistance ministry that we have here at St. Patrick's. People come in and they can't decide whether they need to pay for their utility bill, they don't have the means to do it, or, or rent. They have to start making very important decisions. A $200 utility bill to them might as well be $10,000 because they just don't have the money to do it. There's been a study that showed that in the first 1,000 days of life, if children don't receive the proper vitamins and minerals, That's irreversible. There are physical and mental things that start to take effect. Now we know why, or have a better understanding of why many kids are functioning at a lower level in school. It happens at the very beginning of life. We, most of us, have options. When we have options, it brings balance to our lives. When we don't have options, it brings a certain amount of unbalance. We gather here at St. Patrick's Catholic Community, and this is the weekend, last weekend of this theme, but it doesn't mean that it stops here. We still continue to gather. We bring our joys, we bring our brokenness, we bring our thanks, we bring our gratitude to this table behind me. We bring our gifts and we leave them outside in the food bin. But that doesn't stop there. In the eyes of God, every gift that is brought forth to those we serve, He honors. We have the capacity to serve those in the wider community. I can tell you right now, in the work that I do with governmental agencies, with other faith organizations, and nonprofits, St. Patrick's Catholic community has a very wide pr- footprint in the community. It makes my job a little bit easier when I go to visit people because they already know about St. Patrick's Catholic community. The work that we do here, the work that you all do here is well known. It doesn't just stop here at 84th Street in Shea. As we gather and as we bring our gifts and we leave them in the bin, I thank you for that generosity, the continued generosity. I would now like to invite you to bring it just a little step further, to be a little bit more mindful and aware of the types of food that we're putting in the food bin, the non-perishable items. We're not gonna solve hunger, we're not gonna solve food insecurity, we're not gonna solve the issues of food deserts, but we can take a little step towards it to help people live healthier lives in the food that leaves here. Things like healthier cereals with nuts and grains rather than the high sugar. Shelf-stable milks instead of sodas with high fructose and chemicals that we can't pronounce. Honey, dried fruit, low sugar in fruit cans, low sodium in vegetable cans. To honor their dignity, maybe buying white albacore tuna rather than the chunk light. It's more eye appealing. It honors the dignity of the person that we are serving. To help them for many who cannot help themselves, who do not have a face or do not have a voice. The food that leaves here goes to about six different food organizations. And from there, it gets put out into the community. So we touch it here. It's touched at the food organizations and brought forth. So I invite you as you walk out the door today to stop at one of the tables. It'll have a flyer there that says food justice on it that my partner in crime here at St. Patrick's, Megan Popa, made for me because my creative skills are about the floor level. It has an educational component, and it has a list of all the different healthy foods on it, non-perishable items, healthier. I also invite you to pick up a flyer for Just Faith Ministries. I just finished the first Just Faith Ministry with six other parishioners here for food insecurity and hunger. There are eight sessions. They're two hours apiece. They invite us to learn more about our Catholic response to these social issues. The sessions include readings, videos, discussions, meditations, and reflection. What it also offers is transformation of heart. To be open, to be willing to listen to where God is moving you. It'll leave you with enough wonder at the end that you'll want to do more. Maybe it might be in the area of advocacy. But we'll start small here by looking at the healthier options that we can offer people in the community. Nothing is too small in God's eyes. We hear the gospel of the the mustard seed that gets planted and grows. A few years ago, we had the opportunity to have Father Edward Beck come here and speak to the staff. And he talked about the feeding of the 5,000, the fishes and loaves. My grandfather's fishes and loaves. Can't get it out of my head. He looked at that gospel, and he said to us, many people miss the true miracle that's happening there. The disciples go up to Jesus, and he tells them, People are hungry. We get so caught up if there's two fishes and five loaves or five loaves and two fishes, how many people were there? But Father Beck said this. Jesus pointed to the disciples and said, you feed them. You have the opportunity, the knowledge, the tools to do this. We all do, all of us. So the beautiful part about this story and the miracle is this. Nothing is too small, because you take what you have, you break it, you bless it, you give it away, and you watch it multiply. If you're on a budget, and some of these foods are maybe more expensive choices, buy less. I would rather see higher quality, non-perishable foods leave the parish here to touch those who really need it in a healthy way. Nothing's too small. It will multiply in many ways. First and foremost, towards their health. Besides the flyers outside, there's another table that we use this morning for the children's mass. For the teens that are here, there's a few bags left. I encourage you to pick up those bags. This is a great teaching component, parents, to help your teens walk through this. Look a little bit closer at the ingredients of things that are coming off the shelf and that they're putting in the bag. I'd like to conclude with a video A woman agreed to speak to an interviewer from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at ASU. It's a short clip, but she tells her story.
0: Elena Sanchez says she and her family have experienced food insecurity. Currently living in a two-bedroom trailer with her husband and their nine children, she says the hardest thing they've had to overcome is hunger. We didn't have money to pay the bills and the rent. Sometimes we didn't have food. One institution that is making a positive impact is St. Mary's Food Banks.
1: And in Arizona, one in four children, over 400,000 in the state of Arizona, don't know where that next meal is coming from. People that don't have options. I thank you for listening to me tonight. And on behalf of the staff here at St. Patrick's Catholic Community, we wish all of you a very happy Thanksgiving and a safe Thanksgiving as well.
0: Thank you for listening to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Homily Podcast. We are Christian Disciples in Mission,